oh my Put me in coach, I'm ready to play fantasy I know I turned two in a day, but the laces ain't hot in my veins I can turn two in every way, so I turn to you two today And smash play, I'm prepared to listen The x fippin' whip got me looking way past the pitches Statistics all that I know, and I know that who is on first He can say I'm ready to go <laughs> I ain't tryna steal second or third Cause I wanna win first How am I to put all of these numbers to words I know the terms from A to Z It's like a gift and a curse I know the difference between a splitter and a curve But if I can't put it in the points Man, then what's it worth? I need the truth I need knowledge Found this podcast with all of it But what they call it? Turn two Hey everybody, welcome back to the Turn 2 Podcast Brought to you by Rotofanatic.com I am your host Matt Williams Joining me on the show today the co uh, one of the co-owners over at Rotofanatic, Paul Mamino, where we're going to be talking about ERA estimators and how to properly use them for in-season player analysis. Paul, welcome to the show, bud. Thanks for having me, Matt. Uh, looking forward to it. All right. So for uh, for anyone who follows me, I, I do a weekly series over at NBC Sports Edge where I go behind the numbers to try to show some uh, tr- and teach you how to use advanced metrics to improve your player analysis. And one of the ones I did this p- following week was... ERA estimators, uh, notably FIP and Stuff ERA, which Paul developed over at Rotofanatic. So we're going to talk a little bit about that here because it's, I think, in my opinion, it's it's a very strong tool that you can use that is not entirely descriptive, but it can be predictive of the future because there's a lot of like expected stats and there's certain metrics for ERA estimators that more describe what happened but are not necessarily strong indicators of what to predict in the future. So um, kind of before we get into that. Um, I mean, for anyone who doesn't know what we mean by ERA indicators, I mentioned FIP. I mean, the ones that you use probably are FIP, XFIP, Sierra. Those are those are the most common ones. And just to give a brief, not entirely, um, you know, not a, an entire description of what they are, but just a brief one so everyone kind of understands what those are is uh, FIP. You know, that stands for Field Independent Pitching, which kind of describes exactly what it is. It takes the ERA of a pitcher and it pretty much makes it defense neutral, but it does a little more than that. What it essentially does is take the anything that is out of the pitcher's control in, and adjust it to league average, essentially. So it just says that the pitcher has no control over batted balls. If there's any variation away from league average defense or any uh, variation away from league average batting average for balls in play, BABIP, it neutralizes it and uh, it takes away any kind of luck, which is not necessarily the best way to go because, uh, you know, I mean, I mean, it has a great purpose. I mean, there's a reason it's been around for so long, but there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of pitchers that play above or below um, those levels for a specific reason. And obviously defense does exist, but this is to give you a true, you know, more of a true measure of a player's skill XFIP to, to, to put it as, as simply as possible is basically FIP. And then it neutralizes like home runs <laughs> essentially. Uh, and then stuff ERA, which I will uh, let Paul describe because you are the one who developed it. So no one better to describe it, but you. Yeah. Um, the, the whole idea of the metric is that as, as you kind of did a good job explaining a lot of the other ones, but I think that the whole idea centered around it was that I don't think we do a good job of understanding what command really is and how um, where you locate within the zone actually kind of plays into account. So there's four, there's, there's really like four underlying components to it. There's a width component, there's an in-zone swinging strike rate, there's an out-of-zone swinging strike rate, and then there's a WOBA um, component to it. And essentially what I'm able to do is I'm able to, every pitch has an underlying expected value um, for each of those metrics. So a fastball down the middle is gonna be swung and missed at a certain amount of time. A certain amount of the time, but a fastball up in the zone is going to be, you know, you're going to get a swing and miss much more often on that pitch just based on where it's thrown before we even consider anything else. So it takes all those events and it kind of um, gives you an expected and then it takes each pitcher and looks at how they've actually performed above or below what was expected in each of those components. So uh, you wrote about in the article, Yusei Kikuchi, he has one of the lower expected whiff rates but he actually puts up a a well above average swinging strike rate or whiff rate, however you want to word it. Um, And that's kind of because his stuff is actually a little bit better than, than most pitchers in baseball. And he's able to generate more swings and misses than we would expect based on where he throws. So for stuff ERA, even if his um, strikeout rate might not be as high as some other pitchers, it sees him as a pitcher that has really truly elite stuff and and it kind of grades him up for that reason. 
and it does that same thing for in zone um in zone swings you know getting more takes in the zone is a skill that i think is kind of real i've talked about it with brady singer um aaron knoll has done it a lot of times so guys that can generate more called strikes than expected they're, they're going to perform better than we think um same things with swinging out of the zone you know you generate more swings out of the zone you're doing better than um you know you you want hitters to swing at pitches out of the zone that's one of your goals as a pitcher and then from the wobble component if you throw every pitch right down the middle and everybody pops it straight up in the air and you, you know that that's really impressive that means that even though you threw a pitch in a location that probably should have been hit really well um you were able to generate a positive result for you so it takes all of those things and then it takes those locations in a command metric that I've built, and then it does exactly what FIP and, and all of the other year estimators do, and it builds it to an ERA scale dependent on the year. So it kind of tells you what, based on everything that's happened to this point, what a pitcher's deserved ERA should have been. All right. So to kind of recap for everyone listening, because that was a lot of information, um, you know, think of FIP, XFIP. They take what happened, the ERA, the what happened on the field, and they just make everything neutral in certain areas. And that is what it looks, that's what it looks at. You're actually taking exactly what happened, no more, no less, and um, you are neutralizing it to a certain area. Stuff ERA looks at the why, which is an important characteristic that these others don't look at. So this will just look at the raw data. Like, uh, you know, I, I mentioned the article, Zach Eflin, how he, he underperforms and stuff. Right? We can talk about him in a second. Yeah. And it's the fact that his results look good. His, you know, Babip, uh, you know, his specific, his sinker in particular looks good. When you look at like on fan graphs, his P valves, I think about like a five and he's, he's got a ton of in zone contact, which is good because it's a sinker, but he's throwing all these in like freaking the danger zone, which over time will not work out well for him. Um, so instead of just looking at just the raw data that pitchers have control over instead of batted balls, this looks at, um, this looks at the pitch location, pitch type, pitch count, exactly how and why a pitcher is doing what they're doing and the results of what it should be. So, I mean, there's still some holes, like you say, you see Kikuchi, he looks, he looks great in stuff ERA because he's throw. he has such amazing stuff that even though he's throwing, his pitches in zones where you're not necessarily expected to get swings and misses, he's getting them anyway. That doesn't necessarily mean over time, like everything sample size will make things more strong, but this is a good indicator of just how great his stuff is. Uh, you know, pitchers can, uh, you know, it, it maybe that doesn't last over time, but most of the time, like your data suggests that this, these kind of results will, will go over time. So Kikuchi showing that his stuff is so good that even though he's not locating in places where pitchers typically need to pitch in order to get swings and misses, he's getting them anyway. And a pitcher like um, Zach Eflin is throwing his, he's getting fantastic results as a sinker baller. And um, even though he's not getting a high swing strike rate, he's having good results. But over time, if he continues what he's doing, it's not going to end well for him. So I know that's, again, a lot of information. So this is basically, again, to recap, FIP, XFIP, all those take exactly what happened and just basically they alter the information in order to, to show it in a more league average way, depending on, you know, FIP, XFIP, what do you want to do? We, we mentioned that earlier. And this actually recaps based on pitch location, pitch type, and pitch count. Yeah. If, exactly. if I misspoke, uh, definitely correct no. me. I, I, I'm trying. It's a lot of information. I try to cut it down yeah. as, as much as I can, but uh, it's, a, it's a great thing. And uh, if you go to rotofanatic.com, everybody, you can go into the data monster and go into the pitch um, influence stuff and, well, everything Paul said, uh, with in zone, out of zone, uh, command metric stuff, ERA, that is all sortable. You can go in individually and check out what pitchers are doing. Yeah, and and I think you know the it's it's great to have it in a in a big you know tied up in a in stuff ERA and ERA estimator. But for me personally, what I like to do is I like to look at how pitchers have changed like year over year, mm -hmm. um, and that and that's one of the big things that I talk about in, in the location articles each week. But you know when you see a big jump in um, swinging strike rate. And a lot of times I'll, I'll like to go in and I'll like to look at a pitcher and I'll see, has his, you know, has he located better as he started to throw, you know, more fastballs up in the zone? Has he started throwing more off speed pitches that are going to generate more swings and misses? Or, or is it just that something in the stuff appears to be better? You know, hitters are swinging and missing at it more than we would expect. And then, then I'll go in and I'll say, look, is there, you know, a spin rate change? Is there added velo? Is there added movement? Did he do something to the pitch? So it's a, it's a good way of helping to kind of parse out why a pitcher is getting better or worse um, when you go down and you look at the individual components. But then there's, you know, it, it's always fun to look at the them all combined and how they interact and how they actually make, you know, a good or bad pitcher. And that's where Stuffy Array comes in. 
Yeah, and I put out, uh, we'll talk about some of the pitchers on this list. I put out a tweet earlier today. We're recording this on Wednesday. I always like to look at pitchers, and it's very simple uh, using basic Fangraphs metrics. O swing, which is out of zone swings that are generated. Z contact, which is the amount of contact within the strike zone. And swinging strike rate. And I just look at all the pitchers that do all of those things above league average. Because assuming you're doing all those things above league average, you're either doing well or you're underperforming and going to do well. And, uh, you know, stuff the RA lines up very well with this list. And it essentially looks it is in why I like it so much is kind of what stuff the RA does. It, it kind of, you know, takes it deeper than that and looks into again, the where things are happening in the zone and why. So it's a more in-depth version of me just cross-referencing a, a bunch of stats, but I, it's again, a good reason to not only do cross-referencing of stats, which I love to do because it's easy uh, to do. You just pick out the ones you like, but um it's, it's so much more accurate than just looking at like a FIP or XFIP because this not just, this doesn't take um, just the results into effect. It, it takes the, it takes the why, which the why is, is the important factor. And um, some, yeah. I know you prepared a list of names here. So yeah. to kind of give the listeners an idea here, who, who are some interesting standouts that uh, you know, in stuffy area that kind of stand out that may not necessarily show up somewhere else. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that I, I know, Part of your article is you had a big list of you know guys that within rank wise are higher in the stuffy area ranks than um, they are in FIP, and uh, one of the guys that I think stood out, and I know someone may, um, someone in the the Slack made a comment about it, uh, is Luis Garcia, and uh, it's actually kind of interesting because I, I looked over my list and a bunch of the guys I wrote down are actually throwing today, but uh, Garcia is going today, um, and one of the things that it kind of sees about him is that. He's actually generating a lot, a lot more swings and misses than you would expect. He's generating swing strikes at about two percentage points more, based off of you know that's what whiff influence kind of shows. If if you see a point zero two, that means that he's getting about two percentage points more swinging strikes than you would expect. The though he's also able to generate fewer swings within the zone, or kind of the same thing that the two percentage points. So he's doing a great job of getting strikes via swings and misses, but he's also doing a great job of getting strikes. You know, just generating called strikes within the zone. So those things are going to add up into some K rates. But what um, the thing that's kind of different that uh, stuffy RA sees versus what um, FIP is seeing is his his walk rate's about three walks per nine innings, uh, a little bit above that. And for FIP, that's something that you're going to get knocked pretty heavily for. Um, but at the same time, he he does have slightly above average command by the command metric. So what it's seeing is that it sees a pitcher that is able to generate some more swings and misses, generates extra strikes more than we would expect um, based off where he's throwing the ball, but he is throwing the ball into locations that are a little bit better than average. So I think he's a guy who we, we could potentially see his K rate, his walk rates fall, uh, FIP start to kind of fall back in line, but he's been performing really well so far and stuff ERA is kind of buying into what it's seeing where FIP is not necessarily doing the same thing. Okay, there's a one one pitcher in particular that uh, that stands out that I didn't mention in the article. And actually, I don't think we brought up in the notes. So I don't know if I'm throwing a, I'm throwing anyone just random at you, but Nate Yavaldi, uh, he's someone that lines up. Like when you look at uh, bloom boards, Ryan Bloomfield for yep. baseball HQ, he puts up a lot of stuff. I put a lot of my cross-referencing stuff up that he showed up on a lot of things in the off season and, and a lot of things in season. He's working his new slider in and everything looks pretty, pretty good for him so far, except, um, he has not really showed up well as far as um, this metric we're talking about. I mean, not that he's doing poorly. It's just that here's a good example of someone who in FIP, Nate Eovaldi, is showing up with a 2-1-3, whereas in Stuffy Array, he's showing up as a 3.44 around there. So it's uh, the sixth best FIP um, and 41st best stuff ERA. So again, not bad, but there's a pretty large gap there. Uh, one of the larger ones besides like, you know, I guess Dane Dunning's another one who shows up uh, a little later too, but you know, this is a kind of a bigger name. So we'll stick with the Evaldi for now. What is it that sticks out with him that kind of makes him fall in the, uh, in the stuff ERA? Um, the, the main thing, um, cause I just went and looked at it again, just to kind of jump through things. Yeah, I tried but, rambling as much as I could to give you time. Yeah. <laughs> no, you did a good job with that. Mainly what it really is, is that he's kind of in, in terms of the influence metrics, which are the ones that kind of drive it the most, mm -hmm. he's kind of average across the board. So one of the things that's interesting with him is that, and I'm going to pull up previous years so I can make sure I'm studying it correctly, but yeah. he's, he's always been a guy where we've said, oh, the stuff is so great. He's got to generate more swings and misses, you know, something is coming. And he did that last year. Um, and actually, I think he was a, a favorite of Stuffy RA last year. But historically in his career, he's always actually underperformed slightly 
or pretty much just about performed as expected in um, compared to his XWIFs. But this year, he's still kind of performing as expected, which looks like it's regression. But what's happening is he's actually locating significantly better. So last year, his XWIF was 10.6%. Uh, this year, it's 20, uh, 12.2. So he's still, he's still got a whiff rate around 13% in both seasons. But what's happening is Stuff ERA is looking at that and saying, well, now it's his stuff is performing again as expected. And it's not performing better than we would expect. He's just locating, you know, better to begin with. So the baseline for him is already higher. So for that for that standpoint, what a problem what it's seeing is that it's a guy who's not really outperforming his whiff rates anymore. And those whiff rates are still well above average, which is tough to it's it's hard to like kind of necessarily parse that out. But it's saying he's doing, you know, it's more based off location, which is a little bit more um a little bit less important in terms of the overall what what causes guys to succeed. So what it's seeing is he's more of a kind of average guy across the board instead of excelling at everything at anything. And that's where I think it's seeing and why it's a little bit lower than FIP is. FIP's going to see the Ks are still there and it's going to say, oh, this is great. He's still a great pitcher. You know, this is everything we'd expect where, where stuff ERA is going to say, well, he's kind of doing what we thought. Um, so he's more league average than elite. Yeah. And I, the reason I bring him up is because there's a lot of that stand, there's a lot of pitchers that stand out high or low that are easy to point to. He is yeah. someone where he shows up still strong in both FIP and Stuffy, all right, 3.4, 3.5 is nothing to sneeze at. That's fine. Um, especially from Nate Eovaldi. If you drafted him and that's what the ERA you ended up with, that's fine. He's right now, he's sitting at a 3.63. You'll, you'll gladly take that. Uh, yeah. It's still suggesting he may be a little even better. But uh, FIP, it, it takes a look at a 327 BABIP and other factors, and it's deciding that you know he should be doing a little better than he is when in, in, in reality, like you said, uh, all the metrics and what he's trying to do, he's kind of doing – maybe a little bit above average, but not much at all. Yeah. So yeah, I think that this is a good example of you look at FIP 213 and you look at stuff ERA 3.4, 3.5, and you can kind of tell, I mean, this is a good measurement of what he's doing so far, which is one thing I don't totally understand is uh, like, oh, here, uh, this is where FIP and XFIP, which I don't need to get into the argument of why people like one over the other, because again, suppressing home runs is a skill. And if a yeah. player can do that, then you shouldn't take it away from him. But, uh, you know, 213 FIP, he has a 3.52 X FIP. It's because he's given up zero home runs. Yeah. Um, you know, he's not going to do that. <laughs> zero, yeah. zero percent home run to fly ball. That's why X FIP is higher. Uh, you know, there's a lot of, again, you have to know what you're looking at and know what goes into these ERA estimators, which is, again, um, you know, check them all out, see what works for you. But this is a good example of why um, stuff ERA really can stand out versus FIP when it comes to actually checking down a player's talent yeah um, and, and with the quickly last thing on Evaldi, but like with with the you know the, the best comparison from home runs for what's in stuff era is is his uh woba influence metric mm -hmm. and it sees him as you know he's above average but it's not elite you know it's not zero it's not zero home runs it's not you know best in baseball which is something that's realistically very unsustainable which is why xfip is you know so much lower for him and um, when I was looking over names, it, I think it definitely tries to, you'll see it kind of correlates with XFIP a little bit better um, for some of those kinds of guys, the guys that have just like ridiculous home run rates that don't make any sense um, in, in either direction, really. But for Ivaldi, it's more kind of average at best. Um, his, you know, I guess, contact suppression, however, however you want to word that side of things. But it, it doesn't see him as exactly elite, but it doesn't see him as you know, below average, it's even slightly above average. But again, that's why it's kind of average across the board. Oh, since we're talking about this, you see this, if you're looking at fan graphs, you can see um, compare comparison on the right, you know, side of a player's page, ERA, FIP, XFIP, and XERA is sitting there. Sierra is not sitting there for some reason. They put that down with like uh, the, like the, the, the batted ball data for some reason. But um, XERA is, is something over at uh, Baseball Savant. It's another really good one. But again, they're using like expected stats and it's just another way of measuring stuff, but it is still looking at what happened in a different scope rather than predicting what will happen based upon what they're trying to do. So again, it's just another metric. I think it is, I think, I think better than FIP uh, because I, I, you know, I really am a believer in a lot of the measurements in StatCast, but again, it's, it's not predictive as much as it is just showing you what happened through a different lens. So, uh, you know, just a, a quick, you know, kind of a quick touch up on X here in case anyone's wondering what the heck that is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I haven't dove too much into exactly what they do, but yeah, like you said, they, they take, 
you know, the, the batted ball metrics, the launch angle, the, you know, expected wOBA, all of those things and turn them into an ERA estimator. And I'm sure it, I'm sure it's great in the long run. Um, we're going to kind of see how it plays out. All right. Another p- uh, pitcher on your list is Corey Kluber. Uh, let's talk about him. I mean, he, he continues to look stronger and stronger and stronger each and every day out, which is great. I mean, you, you it's not a, a, an unexpected that he will do well when he's healthy. I mean, the yeah. last couple of times he's been healthy, he's won a Cy Young award. So uh, yeah, Corey Kluber, uh, well, tell us your tale on uh, why he, why is he, why is he showing up so high? And, I mean, 303 ERA, 419 FIP. So, I mean, FIP is suggesting that, you know, he's, he's too, he's due to regress, you know, regardless of having like a 291 BABIP at the moment. So they're not liking what they see right now, but you do. Yeah. I mean, the, the big thing that I think why, when I went through this, one of the things that kind of stood out to me was that, you know, command, I think is not as big of a, we, we like to talk about the command centric guys and there are some guys that are great with it, but it's not as big of a factor as I think we, we tend to think. And I think for some pitchers, it is a bigger factor. Like, uh, I'm going to be writing about Kyle Hendricks tomorrow and Kyle Hendricks has like it's by far his career worst uh, command. So I think he's a guy where, you know, you know, he needs elite command to be successful. And it's, it's not there right now. Kluber is getting kind of crushed by fit for having an over four uh, walks per nine. Like it sees the guy that has a walk problem and it, and it really grades those guys kind of poorly. But from looking through command, what I, what I've understood and what I want to kind of dive into a little bit more is I think that there are a decent number of pitchers where, Poor command or poor walk rates are almost by design. Um, they kind of know that they need to be a little bit more careful because the stuff isn't as great. You know, Kluber's always had a great breaking ball, but you know, the fastball's been okay. It's never been, you know, superstar levels. The curveball has always been what kind of drove him. So I think he's the guy who kind of knows that he needs to be a little bit more careful. So he's going to have, you know, a little bit lower command than you would think from a guy like him. You know, he had some really elite walk rates, and this year he, he has a high walk rate. But what it's seeing is that, you know, that walk rate shouldn't be something that he's being um, – it shouldn't be worried about too much. He's still able to generate whiffs at a greater rate than we would expect, and he's doing a little bit better on those balls in play. So I think that he's a guy where you might look at a high, a high walk rate, and for fantasy we have to care about it, obviously. But he's still going to be successful because it's, it's almost by design, and he's still able to generate the swings and misses that he wants. Yeah, for and well, I didn't mention it at the top. I said his his FIP right now for Corey Kluber. We we're talking about is four one nine. Stuff ERA has him sitting right now around three three one. Sierra has him like four and a half. Um, you explain all the reasons why he should stand out and it shouldn't be too hard for people to uh, grasp why he's doing well. He's Corey Kluber. This is why he's another good example. We know what he can do and um, how he goes about his business. So it's, it's actually easier to buy when, you know, you, you have a metric that's picking up a healthy Corey Kluber doing well. I will say one thing that stands out, which again, there's some, you can't pick up everything. Uh, you know, metrics only pick up a certain amount. He's at 291 for his Babbitt, which I think is a little due to the fact, and again, you can't take this away from him. He's, his line drive rate is, uh, is a bit low right now compared to his career high. It's probably a couple of ticks low his uh, ground ball rates, a couple of ticks high and his fly ball rate is, is sitting, you know, what reasonably close to where it should be. So he's just yeah. giving up lower Babbitt batted balls at the moment. So I do expect that to come up a bit, but again, um, you know, you have a, is a three Oh three ERA stuff. ERA has him coming up to three, three one. So that's not yeah. an unreasonable jump uh, for his Babbitt taking a slight, um, you know, take kind of correcting itself slightly. So yeah. uh, that, that was the only thing I kind of see everything else I like. So yeah, Corey Kluber, he looks like someone that could be a buy high. Uh, yeah. Cause I'm sure there's plenty of people that have rostered him that are thinking, all right, I'm going to go cash in my chips before this kind of, before this kind of goes badly. And um, one of the things that I will, I will say, cause I know, you know, his last, his last outing was Detroit and a lot of people were kind of dinging him for kind of dominating a bad team. One of the things that in theory um, that stuff ERA is supposed to do is mm-hmm. all of the influence metrics are supposed to take your opponent into account. Mm-hmm. So I always use the example and I'll change it actually a little bit for now, but, you know, getting Keston here at a swing and miss is not as, is not as impressive as getting, you know, um, David Fletcher or another high contact guy to swing and miss, which is another so is great good? reason you should yeah. use all these metrics for hitters, which we have on, you have a Roto fanatic yeah. as well. Yes. So it's, it's one of those things where we can kind of understand you know, we can, we can factor in the opponent a little bit. Um, I'm not going to say that it's going to be perfect in that sense, because there's probably lots of ways that I can improve that, but, but there is some form of um, consideration for that. 
So it, it, his whiff, his, you know, his his whiffs are real. So it's definitely something to uh, buy into. And I think if somebody wants to sell him off of that uh, that big big game, then I, I would definitely be considering you know buying. Um, sticking with the Yankees, well, let's talk about Jordan Montgomery. Right now, uh, he has a four three nine ERA, uh, eight point one K per nine. He has uh, again four three nine ERA. His xERA is four three two. His FIP is four eight seven. You know, he has a 229 BABIP to kind of give you an idea of just how, like, you know, where it goes from 439 to 487 with FIP. They are normalizing a 229 up to around 300 or so. And that is where the big jump here. But the 439 ERA for stuff ERA actually ends up shaking out to 3.7, which, you know, not fantastic. But again, where you drafted him, that's great. So the 108th ranked FIP uh, would be stuff ERA's 60th ranked pitcher. So tell us about Jordan Montgomery. The, the big thing, and you kind of got into it a little bit, but the big thing with him has been home runs. Um, he has an insanely high home run rate so far, and that's really why FIP is kind of kind of really low on him. 20, 20.8% for everyone listening. Yeah. League average is, depending on the year, I mean, they're higher recently, but it's usually 12 to 15%. It's probably on the higher side now. Yeah, and I mean, if, if and I've, I'm a Yankee fan, so I've watched a decent amount of his starts, you know, he'll – He'll be in a good rhythm. He might have a guy on base or something, and then he he definitely has given up a lot of home runs. So he's definitely been getting killed by that, but he hasn't been allowing many other base runners other than that. So for you know home run rate, you see a guy who's well above average or you know in in a bad way. He's allowing more home runs than you would expect the normal pitcher to give up. But then if we look at the inwoba side of things, he's actually doing a little bit better or just as well as you would expect based on the balls that have been the pitches that have been put in play. So what it sees is a guy who's actually, you know, pretty much league average in terms of how he's allowing or what contact he's allowing. And at the same time, he, he's not really too high or too low off of the um, average from the expected rates. So what it kind of sees is a guy that his, his Woba should end up being kind of around league average, might be a little bit better, might be a little bit worse, but nothing like substantially in either direction. So what it's kind of seeing is that the, it, it sees that the home run problem might necessarily kind of ease itself out, but pitching in the Yankee stadium, there's definitely some, some reason to buy that the fit a guy like this might be more, um, more in line with his hip rate because, you know, because of the problems that Yankee stadium gives with short porches and different things like that. But I think Montgomery is a guy who a lot of people were really high on coming into the season. And I think everything you wanted to see from him, you're seeing, it's just that right now it's a home run problem. So if that home run problem starts to kind of balance itself out, he could end up being a really great buy for the rest of the season. All right. The, the next player on our list is um, Eduardo Rodriguez. And he shows up on the negative side of this. Uh, he's yeah. someone that I, I really like coming into the year as a value because, you know, he had, he had the heart problem and that, you know, due to COVID, which one of the few that suffered, you know, really, you know, the, the more extreme side effects, at least of a longer term. Uh, I still thought he was going a little late in terms of where other pitchers were going around all the off season information was that he was not going to have any uh he's not going to be held back and so far so good he looks pretty good out there uh right now he has a uh, 3.54 fip but and which would be the 51st ranked pitcher for fip 114th in stuff era putting him over a five era <laughs> so yeah. yeah the uh the, the the red lights go off for eduardo rodriguez what's happening so far in a in a red sox team that isn't struggling as bad recently with the pitching yeah, um, for for him, I mean, I like to look at you know what what is what is the fifth side of things seeing. Well, and- actually, real quick, just to give more yeah. um, just to give more context, I mean, four one eight ERA nine nine six K per nine, which uh, for anyone just K percentage, it works up to twenty seven point nine percent, only two point seven percent walk rate, twenty five point two percent K minus walk looks great, and if you look at a four one eight ERA two point eight two X ERA three five four FIP two eight one xfip so this is a very interesting case just before paul dives in because if you were not to look at stuff era and you were just going to do a quick like 20 minute research on eduardo rodriguez to kind of see everything points to him being like actually yeah. a massive buy so this is someone where with the uh stuff era completely flips from what you see because you know you look at a 282 xera and that k minus walk and it's like oh my god this guy's been one of the best pitchers in baseball but not necessarily yeah, and, and I think that that's the, the big part of it is that, you know, how heavily walk rates factor into FIP, XFIP, and I have to dive back into XERA, but I'm, but I'm going to guess the fact that he's as low as he is is, is going to be um, driven by the fact that, you know, it, it's going to be 
pretty heavily weighting that walk rate. And I mean, yeah. Yeah, hey, he's and again, a, sorry, I, I, yeah. I just want to give context to the uh, this because this is speaking to what you're saying, not to interrupt you. Yeah. Uh, the last four years before this year for Eduardo Rodriguez, walk rate 8.7, 8.6, 8.1, 8.7. I have a pretty good idea of where it's going to end up. <laughs> right yeah. now, it's 2.7%. So I think we could have a good assumption that it's going to uh, it's going to go it's going to go up. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's kind of what I think we're, we're kind of seeing is that you know nothing major looks like it's changed from the command side of things. Everything else is just um, you know, everything is kind of in line with that. But if you look at it and, and why it's kind of odd that everything is so high on him is that he has allowed a pretty high, you know, home run fly ball. It is about 20%. His, um, you know, so what, what you're seeing is you're seeing a guy that's actually being hit pretty hard when he's being put in flight. And what's happening for him is that that's a little bit above average. His walk, his walk rate is obviously significantly better than it's been in the past, but he's a guy who not necessarily has a home run problem, but when you are allowing a lot of home runs, you're not walking guys. You're you're going to have good success because you know those are those are going to be solo home runs. They're not going to be two run, three run home runs because you're not what Erod's done in the past, where he's walked too many guys. And it's a, I mean, this is a guy that I like. You said I had a lot of uh, investment in. I've had a lot of shares of him. I've been you know enjoying the success that I've gotten out of him so far. But what it's seeing is that you know even though the walk rates are good, the strikeout rates, everything looks the same. He is doing a little bit worse on contact than what we would have expected based off where those balls are being put in play. Um, so what's happening is is stuff ERA kind of feeds the guy who's actually being hit around pretty hard. Um, the results on those balls are a little bit worse than we would expect. And what it sees, and, and again, it doesn't factor in walk rate as heavily as some of these other ones do. And as a result, it doesn't factor in command quite the same level. So what you're kind of seeing is a guy who they're looking at it and there's a lot of red flags with the contact that's actually happening against him. And it kind of sees him regressing in the end. I think he'll end up kind of being a little bit more like his whole career, which is what, like a four ERA kind of guy, not, you know, not quite in the five range, not quite as good as he's been, but it, it's definitely interesting to see that all the other estimators are so high on him and, you know, stuff ERA ends up being closer to what he's been actually doing so far. So I think he'll, he'll kind of end up being around the same guy for most of the year. So for, if you have anyone in your league who loves to like overthink or, or loves StatCast, he's a fantastic sell high. Um, yeah. I mean, again, it's a 418 ERA on the surface. So it doesn't scream sell, you know, buy high or anything for someone. But if you offer and they take a look, a lot of the surface stats are going to suggest that he's a major target. So uh, he yeah. may be someone you want to look into, see what you can get if you have other needs, or if you just want to, you know, kind of move to a pitcher that is safer because, um, heart condition aside, he's past that. Eduardo Rodriguez has always had a hard time staying on the field. So that, yeah. you know, is also uh, another consideration. Dane Dunning brought him up earlier. Uh, so spoiler alert, he doesn't show up very well, along with Nate Ivaldi in the same exact metrics we are just talking about right now. Uh, 223 FIP, ninth ranked pitcher in FIP right now, 66 in stuff ERA. So he goes from a 223 FIP to a 3.8. Stuff area, which again, 3.8. If you ended the season with 3.8, you'd be perfectly happy. But what's the deal with the uh, the large gap? Yeah, I mean, it, I think it's mainly just that it's not it's not nearly as high on him as uh, FIP is. Um, he does a good. He you know he gets swings out of he gets extra swings out of the zone. He gets fewer within the zone. Those are both you know big positives. But he doesn't generate as many whiffs as we would expect. He's a little bit lower in that metric, which is which is one of the more heavy you know components of it. If you if you have to weight things, it's it's in WOBA, in WIF, then um, the in zone influence, and then out of zone influence. The things that it sees the most the most important is is how you do on contact. How can you influence contact? Which is something that some pitchers can have a good job with. And I think I put a tweet about it out earlier. Brad Keller going into this year was I think first, first, and second in the past three seasons, and then this year after a couple games was last. So it definitely has, you know, at the extremes, you can have some problems. But what it sees with Dunning is a, a guy who's performing about average on contact, as we would expect, um, a little bit below average in, in the ability to generate whiffs, and then he's a little bit better out of the zone and a little bit better within the zone than we would expect. And and that's not going to be a guy who's going to be a top 10 pitcher. It's, it's a guy who's going to be very serviceable. And again, like a lot of the guys we saw, he's the guy, if you drafted him, you're really happy with the results. And you would probably be really happy with a 3.8 ERA. Um, you're going to probably use him in games where you think that he has a better chance. You know, you're going to use him in plus matchups. You're not using him as an every week starter. So I think that it's one of those things where we see a guy who's exceeding everything, and you know, FIP looks great, but it's kind of one of those things where it's 
you have to temper your expectations a little bit with a guy like Dunning. Yeah, and I, I mentioned some of the, uh, the the list I put out earlier of the pitchers that had above average O swing, Z contact, and swinging strike rate because you want very little contact in the strike zone. Um, do, you know, which kind of correlates to swinging strike rate because it usually takes place there. You want people to swing and miss, and you do not want uh, and you want to generate swings outside of the strike zone. There's a lot of guys on this list that kind of show up that are uh, on the stuff ERA. Dane Dunning does not because you know. He has a he gives up above average contact in the zone, and he has a well below average swinging strike rate. Yeah. That's not a good combination, no matter what. Um, you know, I mean, if you're like an extreme extreme sinker baller, then yeah, you you're not going to get maybe high swinging strike rate overall, and the, the contact is is going to be high if that's what you're doing. But again, from a fantasy standpoint, that's not really what you want because you're not going to be getting a ton of strikeouts. You look at Dane Dunning is the CSW is 29.5%. Only again, only 9.9 swing strike rate, 19.6% called strike rate. I know he's working with uh, some decent pitch framers up in there in Chicago, but that is not going to last uh, for him either. So um, that strikeout rate you're looking at right now, 9.21, which again, he's, he was good in the, in the, the minor league. So it's not to say it's any kind of fluke by, by any means, 24.6% is not like a, an, an unbelievably under, un, you know, unachievable thing for him, but what he's doing right now isn't a good, isn't a good example of if he's going to be successful, I should say, this isn't a good example of how he's going to do it currently. Yeah. And I mean, I, I tend to think I have a little bit more confidence in how well, you know, called strike rates can sustain. Um, but, but I agree with your overall point. You'd rather have a guy who's going to be able to generate more whiffs. But yeah, well, I mean, Don- let's just say yeah. last year when he looked yeah. good, he had 11 point, 11.4 exactly. swinging strike yeah. rate, 16.8 called strike rate. I believe yeah. in that. I don't believe in the nine nine nineteen point six. I believe yeah. that he can achieve the strike already has, just not how he's currently doing it. Yeah, and you you want to, you know, it, all else equal, you want a guy who's going to generate more swings and misses than takes. So you don't want to see a guy start to, start to flip in the other direction, mm-hmm. and especially a guy like Dunning who's been pretty successful so far by keeping the ball in the yard. And when you have a guy who's going to, allow a lot of contact like that you're a little bit concerned about his ability to do that i find it you know overall i tend to want to almost always neutralize all uh, like i do like to neutralize home run rates like i think that it's pretty hard to be in either direction but dunning is kind of doing it right now and he didn't do it last year so i think we're going to kind of see him end up falling where he might start giving up some more home runs and then you might see him start to kind of pitch more aggressively for the the swings and misses and and when we see that that's probably going to be the more real dane dunning all right, now we're going to end the show with three buy highs because these are just three pitchers I circled because not only do they show up really well in the stuff ERA, uh, and again, these are not pitchers that are doing poorly. They're doing well. I said buy high. These are guys that are doing well that I think are worth going out and purchasing because you still may be able to get them for lower than they actually should cost because I think I believe in uh, what they're doing. And they also show up in the list that I put out of above average in O swing Z contact and swing strike rate. So all three of these pitchers are above all those marks and doing one stuff ERA. And that's Kevin Gaussman, Sandy Alcantara, and John Means. Uh, to give you uh, just a, a rundown of everyone real quick, uh, Kevin Gaussman, 33.3% O swing. Uh, the average right now is around, uh, I think, a little above 30%. Z contact, 793 uh, the league average is a little above 80, so he's below that threshold. And swing strike rate is a 14.3. League average is around 12.6 at the moment. Sandy Alcantara, 34.8% O swing, which is you know fantastic. 81.4% Z contact, which is interesting for him because he usually is a pitch to contact guy. Um, and then swing strike rate, 14.4%, which is the reason why Z contact is so low. And then uh, the last guy I'm completely blanking on. What's the third guy I was talking about? Uh, the, the, the last guy was, oh, it was uh, John Means. Oh, yeah, uh, thir- 32.32% uh, O swing, 72.2% Z contact, which is fantastic. And it's 14.4% swinging strike rate. Any of those guys kind of stand out to you? Means, Gaussman, and Alcantara. I mean, I, I like all of them. John Means may be the most interesting because he had a giant cheering section like Jordan Montgomery yeah. uh, coming into the season. They were going around the same area, but they're in a really tough division. Um, so that was something that was kind of holding him back. So, I mean, John Means, uh, Kevin Gaussman, Sandy Alcantara, uh, what say you? Yeah, I mean, so we'll, we'll start, I'll start with Gaussman. Um, he's been a guy, it's actually kind of interesting because he right now has one of the best um, Woba influences in the league. So he's been getting, you know, really good results based off of where his pitches are being thrown. 
Um, but this is historically he's been pretty bad in this, but he's still been able to be successful because he has elite whiff numbers. He's really good at generating whiffs. He actually kind of has, he's graded out for a while as having very much above average command. But what he's done really well is he's always been able to generate a ton of swings and misses, mainly due to his splitter and, and different other things, especially in the last couple of years. So he's a guy where if you have that, um, that fluctuation in, you know, what happens on contact, but you're able to, you know, do a great job of actually avoiding contact by generating swings and misses, you can kind of sustain being a little bit worse once, you know, contact's actually made. So I think that even though right now, I don't think this is fully sustainable for him. I still think that he's just doing it, you know, right now he's performing even better than I think we would have expected in terms of those factors, but he's still going to be an above average pitcher with everything um, as everything kind of falls into place. So if somebody's, you know, looking to sell, sell him, I'm definitely willing to kind of buy high on what's going on there. Um, Means is in a similar thing where he's doing really well on contact, but at the same time, for the first time in his career so far, he's generating whiffs more than we would expect. So what's happening is he's kind of becoming similar to Gossman where, yeah, he's probably not going to have great results. So he might only have, you know, average, if not a little bit below average results once contact is made kind of historically in his career, that's what we've seen. But if he's able to start limiting that contact even more, then you're going to have a guy who's still able to be really successful despite being hit kind of a little bit harder than the average pitcher. Uh, although on the opposite of Gosman, he has below average command based on and through all the metrics. So it's another he's kind of a guy to keep an eye out on. But I, I think out of him or Gosman, I'm a little bit lower on him. I'd be more willing to buy into what Gosman's done so far. But I think that both guys are going to be successful. But um, Alcantara is one that's actually really interesting to me because he has historically been really great at limiting contact and what happens when a guy does make contact. And he's continuing that trend this year. But for the first time, as you kind of alluded to, he's generating whips at a higher rate than we would expect. His whip influence is positive. It's above average for the first time since 2017, which was when he first came up. So what we're seeing is we're seeing a guy who's now able to generate some more swings and misses than what was previously done is great on contact. And as a result, I, I think his K numbers are eventually going to go up because it's kind of odd that, you know, he'd be generating that many more whiffs and it wouldn't become sustainable and cause his K rates to jump. But what you really drafted him for wasn't for the, the Ks, but now if he can give you those, it's an added bonus. So I think, you know, if anybody is selling Alcantara, I would definitely be all in on trying to to invest. Yeah, it, it, I doubt anyone's going to be like, I'm putting these guys on the block. I mean, maybe yeah. Means and Gausman. Gausman had the you know, the injury concerns about the velocity last year. Will it hold up over a full season? John Means, it doesn't have a track record, and he, he's in a yeah. tough division. So, I mean, there's, there's reasons where you can buy high, or if maybe you're looking to trade away, um, a, a pitcher that you drafted early, like if you're truly freaking out about someone, um, yeah. then you can maybe target a couple of these guys and, and make out ahead. Uh, yeah. One pitcher before we leave, and I'll give you time to look him up, and it's, it's Kenta Maeda. Uh, yeah. He's someone who has showed up fantastic in Stuff ERA over, over the past few seasons. He actually may have been the best pitcher in baseball. Um, maybe, maybe not over Jacob DeGrom, but I mean – I think he may have shown up as the best pitcher in baseball in RF command and in stuff ERA last season. And this year, um, you know, I go through all the metrics I did. He's still above average in O swing, Z contact and swing strike rate. Um, 35.1% O swing. It's crazy. 79% uh, Z contact, 13% swinging strike rate. And he shows up with a five stuff ERA. And I think that is, is a good example of someone where you can look at all these metrics and you can assume, um, all right, he's going to bounce back. If you just look at the uh, the plate discipline metrics on fan graphs and yeah. you kind of want to wonder, everyone's wondering like kind of him and Luis Castillo, but we're just talking about Maeda for now. Like what the heck is wrong? And it's obviously he's putting pitches in bad places, right? Yeah. And well, <laughs> what's, what's interesting about him is that he's still well above average in command. And a lot of people have kind of pointed out, um, you know, all off season that he that he tends to leave his slider in in really bad situations. Michael really Simeon, don't worry, yeah. we hear you, buddy. <laughs> and and I mean, it, it's not it's not wrong. I mean, he he does. If you look at everything, he kind of does locate it in some bad spots. But what what's kind of happening to him is that this year, right now, I mean, he has been one of the worst 
in terms of in Woba in baseball. So what's happening is that, you know, guys are, he's not really throwing any of the pitches in different locations than he has in the past. They're just getting hit a lot harder and the results on them are a lot worse than we would expect. He's actually still well, like his, his um, XL Woba, which is the expected Woba based on where he throws pitches is really no different than it was, you know, two years ago. Last year was a little bit better. It was 319 last year, 325 this year. But in every year, in the last two years before that, he had a, a Woba that was well below that expected result. And he was really good on, and you know, once guys made contact with him. But coupling that with what's also happening is he's not generating swings and misses at the same rate. Uh, last year, and for almost every year of his career prior, he's been able to generate, he's been really great at one, he's got one of the highest X-whiffs in baseball. So he tends to be up around, you know, 12 to, last year he was at 14%, which is kind of insane for a guy that's, as good as he is, that's one of the best in baseball. But what what he's able to do is he's always still able to outperform that. So not only is he throwing pitches that have a, a high expected whiff rate, he's actually doing better than what we would think. However, this year he's doing pretty much exactly as we'd expect. Um, and you kind of see his whiff rates drop. So when you have a guy whose whiff rates are dropping, guys aren't swinging and missing as much as we would think. And they're starting to hit the ball a lot harder and a lot, you know, getting a lot better results on contact that's a recipe for absolute disaster. So when you kind of regress in the two major factors, that's why you're going to see his stuff ERA kind of absolutely balloon up to a five. So what that would lead me to believe is that we'd, you know, you'd want to look into the the shape of the pitches and what's actually going on with the pitches because clearly hitters aren't reacting the way that they have in the past. Yeah. When you see stuff like this, you usually tend to think, all right, maybe there's some, you know, people hate the term positive regression, but it helps on a podcast. Uh, Regression is coming in a, in a good way. You look at 352 BABIP and you're, you're looking at a 534 ERA and you're assuming, okay, maybe it's going to come down. That 352 ain't going to stick. He has a 527 FIP. FIP hates him more than he's tough yeah. ERA. So there's some agreement Incredible. here. There's a handshake yeah. going on here. He does have a 25.9% home run to fly ball ratio, which is why his ex-FIP is 378. But going back to his uh, FIP of 35.27352 Babbitt, it's not a matter of bad luck because you go down, he's giving up 25.8% line drive rate, which is well above what he ever what he ever does. That's not a good thing. It's not like all the line drive rates are going to come down. He's uh, you don't get unlucky with line drives being hit off you. It means people are smoking the ball. Yeah. Uh, so that's not a not a good thing. The only thing that when it comes down to a pitcher like Maeda, for me is that this is describing exactly what has happened. And if nothing changes, it's going to continue. Yeah. Except he has a long track record of success. So this makes me think. All right, he'll figure this out, or he's injured. He looked good in his last um, his last time out. Like this. The the uh, he has two starts this week. He 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 made it. I think, I think five innings. He didn't look too bad his last time out. He's taken a step in the step in the right direction. Yeah. But um, let's just say because he's a unique example of someone that you know Fip hates him, Stuffy Ari hates him. But he has a he has a strong track record in all these metrics, and uh, it's very early in the season. How would you judge it? Like if you were a really strong Maeda believer and you're seeing all these red flags. Is he a let alone? Like how much do you believe in stuff here? Is he a let alone? Like there's something obviously wrong. I don't want to touch it. Like you'd rather see something positive before buying or, or his track record. And um, you know, it being early, a good enough reason to, to buy low on someone like him, because there's plenty of buy low options where there's positive signs. Maeda it's buy low and he still looks bad. Yeah. The, so for me, like when, when I'm looking at these things, like I'll look at Maeda and like I said, he's the, the thing that's probably the most unstable is, is what happens on contact. We, we still don't really have a great understanding of it. And he was always elite at it. And, and again, he was probably really far in the opposite direction. You know, he had a 208 BABIP last year. Like that's, that's not going to maintain. But what I will say, but what concerns me about Maeda is that the Ks are kind of not gone, but, you know, he's been a guy who's been a near almost, you know, 10K per nine. And he's just under nine so far this year. And when you look at everything, his not only has he, he's been about the same in terms of x so he's locating the same way, but hitters just aren't swinging and missing at, at, at the same rate that they used to. And they're not really swinging and missing more than we would expect. So when I see that, that makes me kind of be a little bit more hesitant to buy into him because he was a guy who succeeded with high Ks. So I think that he's a guy that I'm a little bit little bit concerned about, and I would like to see that number start to kind of climb back up. So, you know, if we see another start where he starts generating more whiffs, then I would definitely buy in, even if he's still being hit hard. Because if a guy's being hit hard and has a history of not being hit hard like he does, 
then I, I'm not too concerned about that kind of thing. It's it's when he stops generating swings and misses that I'm going to be concerned. All right. Well, that kind of that wraps up for the Turn Two podcast. Hopefully, everyone you learned something from this. Uh, you go check again. Go to rotofanatic.com. Check out the data monster. You could find uh, the again whiffs, in zone, out of zone, woba stuff, the RA command metric and you can go in and check out all those things for you know for hitting as well if you want to look at whiffs in zone out of zone and play discipline metrics it's a, it's another great thing that we can talk to uh, um you know on another show so paul thanks for joining me if you have any final thoughts for the listeners if not uh, you know tell them all the work that you are currently doing for in season where they can find you yeah um i mean nothing else nothing else immediately comes to mind but you can find me on twitter at team amino fantasy um you can find my work on roto fanatic Every every Thursday, I go in and I'll and I'll talk about a pitcher using a lot of these metrics, the GPS location report. Uh, this week's guy we're going to talk about is Kyle Hendricks and kind of see what was going on under the hood. Um, you know, he had a good outing yesterday, so hopefully that um, he can keep that going um, and he can kind of start to turn things around. But he's definitely a guy that what what he's done in the past and stuff. ERA's always liked him a little bit more than I think FIP did, and now all of a sudden it's it's turning around again. So it's trying to dive into why that's happening and if we can kind of expect the change from him going forward. And then um, other than that, you know, I'll be working on some other things. You'll find, find me spinning out some stuff on Twitter. Uh, we have minor league baseball, so that's going to finally push me to actually, you know, write up the uh, prospect projection pool that we have. That's part of the data monster as well. I'm sure you've probably seen images of it or, or I've tweeted some things out and I'm going to kind of write up exactly what's going on with that. And, hopefully be able to retrofit it and make it work for the uh, 2020 season, 2021 season. Jeez. Awesome. I know this is a lot of information, everyone. If you have any questions, most importantly, feel free to tag me, tag Paul, tag Roto Fanatic, uh, Roto underscore Fanatic on Twitter. We'll be happy to answer questions and we love talking about baseball. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Matt Williams, M-A-T-T-W-I-7-7-I-M-S. And we'll be back next week on the Turn 2 podcast with uh, more look at, uh, you know, maybe we'll look at the play discipline stuff next week for hitters because I love talking about this stuff. So maybe that'll be next week's topic. See everybody. My, oh my. Put me in, coach. I'm ready to play fantasy. I know I turn two in a day, but the lace isn't hot in my veins. I can turn two in every way, so I turn to you two today and smash play. I'm prepared to listen. The X flipping whip got me looking way past the pitches. Statistics all that I know, and I know that who is on first, you can say I'm ready to go. <laughs> I ain't trying to steal second or third. Cause I wanna win first How am I to put all of these numbers to words I know the terms from A to Z It's like a gift and a curse I know the difference between a splitter and a curve But if I can't put it in the points Man, then what's it worth? I need the truth I need knowledge Found this podcast with all of it But what they call it? Turn two Turn two What it do? Win leagues Catch out Catch out